Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the ASHP Advocating for Impact podcast, where every episode covers a policy issue impacting the practice of pharmacy. I'm Casey Thompson, ASHP's Chief Operating Officer, and I'll be your host today for today's discussion. Tom Krause, our Vice President of Government Relations, usually hosts these podcasts, but today we're going to ask him about the current state of provider status legislation and ASHP's broader effort to expand recognition of pharmacists as providers. I know many of our listeners are aware that we recently worked to reintroduce the provider status legislation known as the Pharmacy and Medically Underserved Areas Enhancement Act. Tom, let's start there. Can you talk a little about the legislation and what it would achieve for the patients our members serve? Sure. Thanks, Casey. So the the provider status legislation would allow pharmacists to bill the Medicare program for clinical services that they provide to patients. And that's that's similar to how physicians and nurse practitioners bill for services. Um, And the legislation focuses on providing access to services in, in rural and underserved communities in particular. And It's important because in many states, pharmacists have been authorized under their scopes of practice to provide clinical services to patients, but the Medicare program hasn't kept pace. And that means that the Medicare program doesn't actually pay for Medicare beneficiaries to receive those services, even though their state allows them to provide those services. And that's a problem. That creates a lot of access challenges for Medicare beneficiaries. And then on the health system side in particular, it creates challenges with some services like medication management that many of our members provide, it makes it more difficult to make those uh, complex medication management services financially sustainable. So this legislation would solve those challenges by allowing pharmacists to directly bill Medicare and be reimbursed for services provided to Medicare beneficiaries. Thanks for that, Tom. You know, advancing this legislation has been a, a top priority for ASHP for several years now. If you would, if you could just talk with us a little bit about how we're approaching the bill this time around and how this approach might lead to eventual passage. Yeah, I think circumstances are a little different now. You know, there's been such a dramatic role that pharmacists have played in responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. That's been very visible to policymakers. And in fact, policymakers have been actively changing laws and regulations in order to more fully utilize pharmacists to provide patient care services. That's a really big change in the way policymakers are thinking about patient access to to pharmacist services. Even before the pandemic, we've had states expanding scope of practice in in all kinds of different ways, right? You You could look at different states where pharmacists are providing a broad range of services. Some are focused on specific services like access to to PEP and PrEP for HIV, others expanding testing services. And obviously, in the course of the pandemic, we've had all states expanding the role of pharmacists in testing and vaccination. So those those things all add up to policymakers really recognizing the value of pharmacists as clinical care providers. But that lack of Medicare provider status means that Medicare beneficiaries have less access to those services than than their state legislators intend. And and that's unacceptable. That's a problem. And and I, I think there's greater opportunity now for Congress to recognize the current Medicare requirements aren't keeping pace with 
with state law and patient care needs. So, so we're really we're really em- emphasizing that impact on Medicare patients uh, when we speak to policymakers. Well, thank you, Tom. You know, Tom, you, you recently recorded an excellent podcast that I had the opportunity to listen to out on a, a long walk one afternoon about, it goes into detail about the legislation and, and really hits on what ASDP members can do to and, and really advance the bill at the, uh, at the grassroots level. A moment ago, you, you mentioned state efforts to expand uh, pharmacist recognition. I'm wondering if you could get a little more into detail on, on some of those state legislative efforts and how they fit into this strategy. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, good question. And in fact, state legislation and supporting state advocacy efforts around scope of practice and reimbursement is, is one of the core pillars of our strategy. Uh, around pharmacist recognition. Um, you know, the advocacy work that the state affiliates are doing is, is really incredibly important and impactful, right? In the past year, we've seen a few states expand reimbursement for pharmacists. Some, in some cases, they've done that through their Medicaid programs. In other state, states, it's been through commercial payers. But those are all absolutely victories for pharmacist provider status in their own right. But they also put pressure on the Medicare program. And then, you know, on the scope of practice side, as, as we were kind of discussing before, we, we've seen access to services like point of care testing provided by pharmacists, pre and post exposure prophylaxis for HIV, expanded roles in, in management of complex uh, medication management regimes, smoking cessation service, you know, and so the, the list of services that, that policymakers at the state level are wanting to lever- leverage pharmacists for is is expanding dramatically. And, the, and, and I think that's accelerated recently in the context of the, the COVID crisis. And I think, you know, the, particularly with regard to COVID testing and vaccinations, particularly in, in rural and underserved communities, um, that's been highly visible. And, you know, that link to rural and underserved communities is important for our our provider status legislation because it specifically focuses on expanding access for Medicare beneficiaries in rural and underserved communities. So when we can point to examples from the states where you know state policy has has leveraged pharmacists specifically to expand access in those communities, you know it makes it a much more compelling argument to go to back to Medicare and say, look, the states are actively trying to utilize pharmacists to provide care in our communities that lack adequate resources, let's empower that. Let's make sure that Medicare beneficiaries aren't missing out on that. So again, I I really think that every time there's one of these scope of practice wins at the state level or a reimbursement win at the state level, we should celebrate that in its own right. it, It is an advancement for pharmacists and for their patients in that state. But every time that happens, it's also an opportunity for us to turn around, go back to Medicare, go back to Congress and say, hey, the Medicare program is now further and further out of step with practice in, the, in our communities and in our states. And that puts a lot more pressure on the Medicare program, but also the legislatures from the legislators from those states, because you don't want to be you know, a member of Congress from a state where the Medicaid program covers pharmacist services and the commercial payers start covering pharmacist services, but then you've got to go explain to your Medicare beneficiaries, the seniors in your states who are voters in your community, and explain why Medicare is not going to cover those same services. So that's kind of the way that the state advances put pressure on the Medicare program to to change. 
Well, that's re- really helpful, Tom. And, you know, as I uh, go on my walks and listen to these podcasts, that, that that's a section that if I was listening to this podcast, I, I would want to rewind and listen to because that really would tell me as a, a practitioner in, in a state what I can do and, and a little bit about the incentives, you know, of, of lawmakers and, you know, what motivates them and, you know, what factors uh, help influence them. You know, while we haven't yet crossed the finish line on provider status, uh, there's actually a lot of noteworthy progress uh, to recognize pharmacists as providers. You know, and I I think, uh, you know, as as we look at these things, you know, clearly provider status is a top priority for us, but there's a lot of other opportunities that we're going to focus on as well. Can you talk a little bit about other opportunities to advance recognition of pharmacists while we continue to advocate for provider status, Tom? Yeah, so if we can think about this as sort of three, kind of three legs to this stool, we talked about the provider status legislation itself. We talked about all these advancements at the state level on scope of practice and reimbursement. But then there's a third piece, and that's that's on the regulatory side at the federal level. And so, you know, while we have been frustrated that CMS has not allowed pharmacists to be reimbursed, and in fact, they've they've done some things that have been very frustrating, like make it harder for pharmacist services to be billed to um, higher level evaluation and management codes for complex services. But they've also been open to expanding the role of pharmacists and creating payment mechanisms. So the agency acknowledged the clinical role of pharmacists and expressed an openness for creating pharmacist-specific codes that could be billed incident to. And that would be sort of a workaround um, so that we could provide some of those complex medication management services, even though the the, the agency has has pulled back on on letting us bill the higher level E and M codes, so you know that's not ideal. I mean, honestly, we we'd rather just the agency make us providers and allow us to bill those those E and M codes. But it does create an avenue, a kind of third option for advancing pharmacist provider status and creating some payment mechanisms. And so so we're pursuing that. And then of course, during the course of the pandemic, HHS has used its authority, regulatory authority, not not through Congress, but but HHS using what's called the PREP Act, which is a tool that that the Congress gave HHS to use in emergencies. And they've used that nationwide to allow pharmacists to, to do things like COVID testing, flu testing, testing for RSV, and expanded Uh, the ability of pharmacists to administer vaccinations, including pediatric vaccinations. So those are all regulatory channels that we're pursuing actively. And and actually, you know, there's a pretty positive reception. Many many, uh, members will will, uh, have heard that we've been having some conversations with the White House, and they're very interested in in ways that they can more fully leverage uh, pharmacists. And then, you know, in anticipation of FDA approval of an outpatient oral antiviral COVID for COVID-19, you know, we're also urging HHS to use its authority to consider how pharmacists can be used to expand access to those antiviral therapies when they become available. We don't want to be in a position where there's a product that that, uh, is approved and then there's, you know, a long process to get access to that product. Um, So we're sort of using that as another, another way to engage the administration around let's let's leverage pharmacists to expand access to therapies and you know that's important to patients it's important to responding to the the covid-19 pandemic it helps the administration meet their goals 
uh, around patient access to care, but it also advances the role and recognition of pharmacists. Thanks for that, Tom. Really, uh, again, great, great insights. So, Casey, I'm kind of curious, you know, from your perspective, you've you've been uh, working on some of these issues longer than I have. How do you feel the environment has shifted in the fight for pharmacist provider status since since this effort began? Yeah, thanks for asking that question, Tom. And, uh, you know, one of the best things that, that we did to help advance our efforts was hire you. And uh, it's been wonderful having you on the team and, and seeing I appreciate the that. progress you've made and the team you built for us. And that, that really is a testament to your leadership and really what you brought. Um, you know, I, as you mentioned, I, I have been at this for, for nearly 25 years now. And, you know, I have the benefit of kind of looking at and seeing a lot of these pieces come together for our patients and, and, and pharmacists that are out there advocating for their patients. And uh, a lot of positive progress has made has been made, Tom, um, certainly in the last year that this global pandemic, unprecedented in, in so many ways, um, has created uh, you know real challenges for our country, but uh, pharmacists, uh, including those in hospitals and health systems, have really stepped up to the plate and demonstrated the value that's been there for a long time and really shown um, what what they bring to the table in terms of uh, improving patient outcomes and, and optimizing medication therapy and really more broadly be, being advocates for patients and the public at large on some really major public health issues. We've also seen, as you've pointed out, uh, you know, really a proliferation of collaborative practice agreements, uh, recognition that pharmacists play a critical role on the, on the team, a wide array of stakeholders that uh, ASHP has had the opportunity to work with across the spectrum of care, pharmacists, physicians, nurses, public health leaders, and others have, have grown to, to really value what pharmacists bring to the table. And I think have recognized that uh, there, there's a missing element in terms of how CMS and Medicare recognizes those valuable roles pharmacists play and the need to, to pay for those services so that they can be expanded to, to better benefit uh, patients. And, uh, you, you know, pharmacists it, it really have, have led and been very visible. And it's been a proud moment for our profession. It's just uh, from the beginning of the pandemic through today, to see pharmacists stepping up in some very public ways and, and exert the leadership they have. It's no surprise, but I think it's positioned as well to, to do some very positive things for our patients and, and the public at large. And getting this legislation reintroduced is a, a extremely, extremely important step in that direction. Um, you know, before, of course, there, there were challenges and opportunities and evolutions in our healthcare system that had occurred. But I think now and, and in the months and years to come, um, you know, we're, we're going to really focus and hit it hard in terms of uh, advancing this legislation in the many other areas that, that you've pointed out, Tom, that uh, will, will help us, uh, you know, get, get the pharmacist as close to the patient as possible, which is our ultimate goal. So uh, thanks again for that. Tom, you know, in closing this podcast out, I'd like to, to thank you for participating in today's discussion for the really great answers that you provided. For those of you listening, be sure your voice is heard. Visit ashp.org to learn more about key issues that we've discussed here and many others, our grassroots efforts and ways that you can get involved in ASHP's advocacy efforts. Great. Thank you, Casey. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes 
access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.